Welcome to the Juggle is Real podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Nagonko. I'm a career-driven mom of three boys who went from burnout to finding balance, and I am on a mission to help other parents enjoy the juggle of work, family, and everything in between with a little less stress and a lot more ease, joy, and fun. What do you think? Are you with me? Let's get started. Welcome and happy new year. I hope your holiday season was merry and bright, but if it was a little bit hectic, we have a wonderful episode for you today. I would like to welcome to the show, Chris Pankowicz. He is a registered psychotherapist based out of the Toronto area, and he is here to discuss sustainable burnout recovery, a topic that I think in January is extremely timely. So welcome, 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 Chris. Thank you so much for being on the show. Just to begin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, well, well thank you for having me here today, Adriana. Um, a little bit about myself. Well, yeah, as you said, professionally and vocationally, my work is is now rooted in, in psychotherapy and largely in private practice. And this has been sort of a second career, career transition for me, something that, um, you know, I always thought I was going to get into when I first went to school and, and started studying in university and just sort of took me a, an extra sort of 10 to 12 years to actually find my way back into this work. And so um, it's been a really interesting process. I guess what I'll say about my work right now, um, I work primarily, I would say 70% of my clients are in the male or male identified population. Um, but I find myself more and more working with people who are um, at various stages of thinking about life change. And it's largely rooted in career navigation, vocation, and, and their feelings and identity connected to what their work is all about to them. So I'm finding it, you know, especially in recent times, I'm getting a lot of people who kind of are having these aha moments of, I think I might want to explore something different. I thought this thing was going to be something more deep and meaningful to me. And it's actually quite draining, quite exhausting. And maybe I need to start reevaluating some of these elements of my life. And, you know, we've heard so much about people having this space and time when, when COVID came along and we sort of started working more remotely and we're more sort of away from the routine where these evaluations were happening. And it's, it's just a really interesting, interesting time. I think when people are now paying more attention to the things that energize them, drain them and thinking what's really important to me in my life at this time. Oh, absolutely. I feel that. And I mean, 2022, it's hard to believe that we are already in 2022 and, you know, being the start of a new year, some of us may have, you know, resolutions or new goals, or we may be revisiting different aspects of, uh, of our lives, our, our, you know, whether it be family or career and, you know, we may want to make some changes. So um, it's so wonderful to, to have, people like yourself who are, who are there, who are willing to, to help guide others through it. Um, you and I met virtually, of course, mm-hmm. uh, in a workshop on sustainable burnout recovery. And what I found was really interesting about that was that I um, signed up for the workshop. I was really excited about it. I didn't make the proper um, um, steps. I didn't go through the proper steps to make sure that I would be fully available. And I had a little bit too much on my plate. So at the time where I was 
you know, logged into this workshop on burnout recovery, I was trying to do about a zillion things at the same time. And I had my, my baby on my lap and he was, you know, going through all the things on my desk. And so it really dawned on me that as I go through this journey, I have to continually make sure that I'm, you know, being really aware of what might, um, stress me out or overwhelm me and, and really make sure that I integrate that on a daily basis. And so what I want to ask you is in your experience, because I think the word burnout has been um, thrown out there and in all sorts of different aspects, Mm. but in your experience, what is burnout? How would you describe it? And I know it can be different for, for different people, but in your experience in working with clients, you know, what, what are those telltale signs or what are those feelings for burnout? Yeah, it's it's a great question, and and I think the word burnout originally came from workplace related research, um, starting in the field of healthcare on just excessive stress. You know, pushing people past their their actual physiological limits of what they can handle, and I, and I shared I think in that workshop, right? The the WHO has this kind of vague and minimalist definition of like workplace stress that has been failed to be managed successfully. And it leaves a lot to the imagination. And a lot of people, when they see that, internalize it as, oh, I'm not, maybe I'm not managing my life in, in a good enough way, or I'm doing something wrong, or there's something wrong with me that I can't handle this. And other people seem to not have to deal with this. But I would say just from a purely experiential standpoint, um, the definition that I prefer working with is, is more of like an umbrella of a number of experiences we can have. So one component is physiological, that intense exhaustion that we feel. And it's not just like, I've had a long day and I'm tired and I need to rest. Like that's, I think a healthy way to listen to your body and life, like what you just described, a busy mom with, with a number of children at home that need a lot of love and care and affection from you, juggling a career and also running a household. Like it's, it's totally natural to be like, well, some days this is just like, I'm at my limit, especially if like, we don't get a great rest the night before or something like that. So the physiological exhaustion is more like this is prolonged and starting to have serious consequences in my day-to-day life. Um, maybe I, I can't show up for my family anymore. Maybe my partner and I are like, you know, suddenly like ships passing in the night, we're not even showing up for each other. And I I'm too tired to do my work. I'm too tired to do the other things that I normally am able to do. So that's one thing. Um, another component is in more the emotional realm. And typically when we get burnt out, the emotional part, it's, it's more kind of like a reactivity, a frustration, but also a shutdown of our ability to have empathy whether it be self-compassion or empathy for the people around us. And so in the workplace context, this is a really challenging aspect of burnout because all of a sudden we're starting to look at people differently. We're dehumanizing them. Maybe they're dehumanizing us and we're not actually collaborating as a team and the workplace culture can become very toxic. Um, Another big piece is lack of enjoyment in things that we used to love doing or find fulfillment in. So maybe we don't always love our work, but we found it fulfilling. And and all of a sudden it's not just enjoyment, but we actually don't feel capable as we used to. So a loss of self-esteem, loss of self-efficacy and being able to do our jobs. And now all of a sudden there's this cycle that can start pull us down into this spiral of really being burnt out. That can be really dangerous and troublesome for our 
day-to-day life and our long-term health. Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of what you're saying, um, I can remember having a lot of those, those feelings, um, and, um, in terms of my wellness, you know, that, 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 um, physical, um, drain was, was really evident in my life a few years ago. Um, and what I really enjoyed about your workshop was your approach now in, for myself in you know, the journey that I've had so far, I, I did have that judgment that, you know, when it comes to burnout, it's something that is my, my own fault. And, and I, you know, I, I made myself this way, or, you know, the choices that I've made have led me here. And so my approach was, you know, very much that I have to do it on my own. So I have to, um, you know, look to self-care or I have to take the bubble bath, or I have to, you know, go on a retreat, or I have to do these things, which, I will say are very helpful, but once you get back from the retreat, if you don't have those aspects in your life, um, you know, maybe rearranged, or if you don't have the support that you need, you're just going to go down that same spiral once again. So, um, what I really liked about your approach was it wasn't just based on the quote unquote self-care movement. So how would you describe your, your approach? And when we talk about sustainable burnout recovery, how do you approach it? Yeah. Um, you know, when I do the workshops and I think I mentioned it at the time, it's unfortunately a little bit of an oversimplification and a bit of a generalization because there is like the individual human factor and that is important. I think you, you highlighted there and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but I would say that a big foundation of the way that the approach I shared um, looks at burnout is actually to help us as individuals first step back and do a bit of a evaluation of our environment and at least encourage us to do that. And so if we think about things that can burn us out, we play a role, but the environment we're in also plays a huge role. And this can relate to our professional environment, whether we're in sort of a big bureaucratic type of workplace, whether we're in a publicly funded versus a, a privately funded or entrepreneurial workplace, there's different pressures. The geographic region we work in and our options to sort of move and change and, and shift if we feel like there's a need, because sometimes we might be pigeonholed into like, hey, I kind of want to make a change, but I don't even know what my options are. So there's a ton of factors outside of our individual human control. And I think doing that scan originally is, is really important to ground not only our expectations, but to understand that um, we are influenced heavily by our environments and we might have some ability within that environment to exercise a little bit of control or try to do things to build a culture where everyone feels like they can. Um, if I peel it back for one second, and a lot of my work with people um, relates to helping people center themselves around core human needs in general. And um, one of my mentors that I've worked with has conceptualized this as sort of these five categories, these five bowls in our life that everything we do, whether it be work, personal life, relationships, is sort of this quest to fill these things up in some way. And it's this idea that there's a need for safety and trust, a need for freedom, a need for power, a need for connection, and a need for recognition. And those are universal human needs that we all have our own ways of doing it and conceptualizing what that means. But 
if we sit back and think about those needs and how much our work, our vocation, our work identity is connected for us to being like, I want to try to fill these up every day. We can start to see that when they're constrained or depleted because of our work, how much that can lead to burnout, if that makes sense. It does. It really does. And uh, I I love the, and I'm going to get you to repeat those again. I love those five areas. Um, And it it just, you know, made me think of our little ones as well. And, you know, coming off a busy holiday season, um, you know, we may have, you know, put some unintentional because the holidays are are, a wonderful time for children, but some unintentional strain on our children. And they may be looking for, for, um, you know, added, added areas within those five realms. Um, And I also think just to at, at the most basic, when we look to, you know, business and strategy and, and we can bring in um, something that we've probably seen in, in our, our past textbooks, or, or if we ever took psychology was the whole concept of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and kind of what you're touching on is kind of like, yeah, if our basic needs are not met, then we cannot look any further. And as, as busy parents, if we have not slept well, if we are not eating well, if we are not, you know, drinking enough water at it's our most basic level, we are not giving ourselves what we need to be able to move on to the next stages and, and to be able to, um, you know, really feel fulfilled in those other areas that you, that you mentioned. So when we are looking to burnout recovery and taking, you know, looking at a self-care perspective, how can you, how can you incorporate a, you know, more of that three-dimensional approach. And, and it's not just the bubble baths. Like what, what else can we be doing um, to, to help fill our cup, so to speak, in those five areas that you have pointed out? Yeah, well, in, in the model that, that I shared sort of, it was kind of looking at ways to take action more so strategically and pragmatically um, in our lives the context of when we did the workshop was workplace oriented, but it kind of translates to us seeing how maybe we could do this in our personal life as well. But looking at a few of the dimensions a little bit in isolation and thinking, what's something I can do? So if we look at the first one, physical exhaustion, um, prolonged exhaustion, what I shared was that, you know, a lot of the research kind of says, well, if we can start to learn more and more about the actual things that exhaust us, it might be uh, surprising to see that the perception of what we think is really tiring um, is not exactly what the research says is the thing that exhausts us the most. And so when we think about our workplace or maybe even in our personal life, ambiguity of things we're trying to accomplish actually is extremely exhausting. And the road to that essentially is that when a task, whether it be like, hey, I've been given this project at work to manage or one of my deliverables for this year is this, and it's really vague and it's really unclear. It leaves a lot of space for the mind to start processing and pull in some sort of fear-based processing because of the ambiguity. I'm unsure of the path to achieving this. Um, I know it's been put on me. Now I'm starting to kind of worry. And that worry um, can pull us into a state of fearfulness, uh, scarcity, And all of a sudden, that perpetual energy that goes into just those thoughts, which we kind of don't make space to pay attention to and let them talk to us very well, because it's just like, well, I got to go, I got to do this, 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 and this, 
in the background, it's actually pulling and draining our energy over a long period of time. And so that particular step that I shared was all about, hey, if we can have some self-compassion and, and awareness to say, hey, this thing actually is worrying me and I haven't really admitted it to my colleagues or to my managers or to my partner. Um, and even if I have admitted it, maybe they're not in a, a good headspace themselves to actually sort of say, okay, tell me more about that. What can we do? But it's actually bringing action to say, hey, maybe we can go through the thing that I'm really feeling this ambiguity about and take steps to bring it more clarity to it. It kind of counters the conventional wisdom that when we're in a space and people seem burnt out, they're like, hey, what can we do? Well, hey, let's take a day off and, and do something fun and relaxing and positive, which is more like, hey, that's a self-care thing, which can be great for our well-being. But the research kind of shows that it would actually be much more valuable and beneficial to take a day to really work on that ambiguous, fearful thing, because it's going to pay off in dividends in comparison to just a day away, if that makes sense. I, it makes sense so much. And I think for a lot of us, um, you know, um, and, you know, even pre-pandemic times, you know, we were almost afraid in a sense to take a day off, even if we weren't feeling well, because we would then feel the stress of what was awaiting us upon returning to our job um, or going back to the workplace or even just in, at home. You know, if I'm not there to, you know, cook the meals or, you know, tidy the house or whatnot, what is going to happen and, and will things be worse you know, if I, if I take this time for myself. And so I think, um, what you're saying about the ambiguity really ties into, um, what a lot of busy parents feel just in terms of the mental drain of, you know, being the person who is in charge of everyone and being the person who has to remember, you know, the school project that has to get done or, or, you know, sign you up for that sporting event or, you know, take out the trash or whatever those tasks are, not things that are, are really, um, you know, pertinent to our, our, our basic needs, but things that are just coming up in our daily lives. And I think can kind of sort of clog the, 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 the mental space that we have because because there's only so much that, that we can do in a day. So for myself, I find um, that using uh, using um, the, the voice notes on my phone and just getting it out helps me a lot. Or I also, I also have a, um, well, I have, um, post-it notes all over the place, but I also have a pad of paper. And so if there are things, even if it's like, Oh, we're out of garbage bags, we need to remember the next time we go to the grocery store, we need garbage bags. And it's something that I will absolutely forget. And so it weighs on me. So if I can write down garbage bags, then poof, that is gone. And I don't have to worry about that thought anymore of, you know what, we don't have garbage bags tomorrow when we need to take out the trash. So that has been something that's helpful for me, just getting it out. Sure. Um, and I, I like how you're saying, you know, reach out to someone and it's not to complain, but it's to get that solution. Um, so if you don't have someone at work or if you don't have, um, you know, perhaps a partner, where else can we go to, to get the, this help to, to kind of talk it out and, and to, to take this sort of mental drain and, and lessen it for ourselves. Yeah. And, and before I, I quickly jump to that answer, actually something you said, Adriana, really, really sat with me is that you, you bring up this idea that I think life can start happening really fast. And it, 
there's precious time to actually make space to just even be in relationship with ourselves. And the truth is, even once you get to the stage where you have all these dependents and people and things you're responsible for, there's still that same, let's call it inner child within ourselves that has all those needs that, you know, requires filling. And so one of the things about reaching out and um, as I mentioned, I, you know, do most of my work with men. Um, one of the biggest things we work with, especially with men in, in, in therapy is just giving permission to ourselves and learning to ask for what we need. Like one of the biggest things. So one of the biggest ways we encourage men to start reaching out, whether it be if they're working in an in individual therapy or not, is actually to join various types of support groups. And this is not a gender specific thing, but a lot of times um, for the men we work with, it's, it's to join a men's group and to actually practice in a space with other people who are also scared of being vulnerable to like say these things out loud. And um, you talked about like making notes for yourself as reminders. I've also found that saying things out loud is a natural shame reduction mechanism. It sort of helps us just like you know, get it out and be like, oh my God, I am kind of scared. I am kind of nervous. I am worried. And hearing that we're not alone, um, it, it really starts to reduce the pressure on feeling like we have to be superheroes all the time, do things ourselves, and notice that, okay, everyone else is secretly having all these same fears and worries, but we don't talk about it with each other. And unfortunately, even in our friend groups, um, we tend to keep things more superficial. So yeah. Um, there's lots of options. I mean, if you have the ability to reach out to someone who works as a professional in the space, it may not be to like do in-depth therapy, but they could definitely help with system navigation to say, hey, here's some social groups. Um, taking the step to just call people and, and say, how are you? Like we live in a generation now where WhatsApp groups and things like that have become very prevalent for communication. And I think at times it pulls away the depth of authentic relationships. So um, there's, there's a few mechanisms, but one of the things I said in the workshop too, was like, if, <laughs> if you feel like you can do it, if it feels like a safe space, it's not always a safe space, but reaching out to someone in our work environment that may be also feeling with it, especially in this virtual environment where we're kind of more naturally disconnected and isolated to say, Hey, I'm actually feeling kind of scared or nervous or unclear about my work, um, just starting that conversation can be huge. Yes. I'm, oh, and I say it, I say it, and I will say it again, give yourself the permission, give yourself the permission to feel how you need to feel and to go through the motions of, of, of doing what is right for you. Mm. And I, I really appreciate that you are sharing with men specifically that it's okay to be vulnerable. I think, um, speaking for myself and a lot of the, you know, the moms and, and people that I speak to, um, um, you know, women specifically, we feel like we need to give ourselves permission to be imperfect. Um, and our vulnerability comes from a society that expects so much from, uh, from women and from moms and mm -hmm. from working moms. And I love how you're, you're saying that, you know, and, and for, for most of the listeners today who are female, um, identified, 
the men in our lives are vulnerable as well. And so I think it's, it's great to know that we can have these conversations that a, no one's expecting us to feel, be perfect. And no one's expecting us to carry that weight on our shoulders, regardless of whether you're male, female, mom, dad, um, you know, coworker, whatever that, that role is that you're taking on that Mm -hmm. we can have these conversations. Um, and you know, if you are the one to, to be that person to, to start it, I think you'll find that, you know, we are all in it together and we all want to help one another. So I think, I think it's really great that you've sort of, you know, started that conversation with, with your clients, especially, um, and, um, a lot of, a lot of just reaching out is a sort of a, a, um, a function of, of mindset in general. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, and from my experience, you know, I know that my personal mindset plays a huge role in, in, in how I'm showing up for my family, how I'm showing up, um, in my career and having those conversations, I think is one way to, to change our mindset and to, to get us going on that more positive path to, to feeling better, um, can you explain in, in your experience how just shifting our mindset, perhaps looking at changing our thoughts, how that can play a factor in um, recovering from burnout or that overwhelm? Yeah, um, you know, I think when it comes to like mindset as a whole, the it's obviously such a great and powerful intention to start looking at things with what we would call maybe a more optimistic or positive or growth oriented, you know, the, the big book on mindset was talking about, do you have a growth or kind of a fixed uh, angle? And it's one thing to sort of keep that as the intention, which is always something to kind of work towards. Am I doing something that's taking me towards growth? The challenge I think that comes with us as individuals and, and one of the, the schools of therapy that I think really touches on this is this idea that, rather than us being one thing, we're actually this composition of all these inner parts and these parts that are at varying stages of their own evolution to contribute to our our overall self. And they show up in different ways. So when it comes to mindset, um, it can be uh, a really important step earlier on before saying, hey, now I have a galvanized growth-oriented mindset to actually get to know in a deeper way, all those parts of ourselves that do operate and show up in different spaces and actually what emotions they actually feel that can veer us off into avoidance or potentially, I don't know, self-destructive habits or not showing up in a way that um, we would sort of say, hey, this is misaligned with my values of the person that I aim to be. And this is one of the biggest challenges of being human is that we, we constantly go through this process of our life of taking care of things, but also wanting to learn more about these parts in ourselves that have needs. And, you know, when I think about my own journey, when it comes to being burnt out before in my career, um, I started learning more and more that there is this part of myself that would show up on the surface. Like, so from the outside, people would see like, oh, this guy's ambitious and he's always got ideas and he's always pushing for more. And for me, that part of myself, like, Hey, kind of great to embody it when it sort of things worked out, but he would also be so self-critical and deeply insecure and deeply, um, wanting recognition and deeply wanting to feel powerful. Cause he felt really powerless 
in life period. So he would try to show up in places and that would contribute to, to being exhausted. So the mindset piece is, I think, a composition of really getting in touch with these parts of ourselves and learning, I think, to give them space, but also have that love and compassion and, and understanding that they want to help us just be our best self. And all these things in the world, I think for us that are proxies of success, like we're told, like find that happiness in your career, find it in this and that. Um, it's more so having the mindset that if I find that within myself to be able to be more present, adaptable moment to moment, um, those other things kind of become a little bit less fixated as the important things and more like, okay, I can show up to those things as well. And they are important, but they're not everything, you know? Oh, I agree. I agree 100%. And I, I, it's interesting that you say that because, um, sometimes I repeat to myself, you know, you know, give yourself some grace, give yourself some space, right? So give give ourselves the grace and the space that we need. And, and it's, it's interesting because as, you know, as busy people, we're like, yeah, sure. You can give myself some space. Like when, when are we going to do this? Right. And so, um, from a sort of a humorous perspective, I have built in to my weeks some time for nothing. And so during that time, um, you know, I like to, to journal or daydream or, you know, um, listen to podcasts that I feel are, are, you know, sort of motivating from that spiritual perspective. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's actually built into my day. I have it structured so that, that, I, I can allow myself that grace and that space. And it's, it's kind of funny because if, you know, if, when you think about daydreaming, for instance, you think of, you know, just, you know, being, you know, one with yourself and and letting go, but for busy individuals that can be very difficult to do because it then is taking you away from one of those really important things, um, that needs to get done. So I have found it helpful and it can be 15 minutes, right? We don't have to, um, you know, take, huge, you know, a whole week off and, 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 and run away on a trip, although that would be wonderful as well. We can build in small, small blocks of time to, to be able to kind of get more in touch with ourselves and maybe recognize the feelings that we, that, that we have. Um, so I think that has been helpful for me. Um, and perhaps it can be for some listeners as well. Are there any other sort of little tips or strategies that you have found to be helpful for yourself, for your clients, when it comes to sort of implementing that mindset or, or looking to make that shift, um, in such a busy society. Yeah. Well, you, you already touched on, I think one of those other three things we talked about in the workshop was that idea of balance within a day. And you said, well, Hey, it could be great to run off for a week and do a vacation, but I don't know if anyone else would relate to this, but I've also had times where there was like a planned vacation time to take away. And because I wasn't doing anything to take care of myself leading up to it, the vacation was not something I could be present in and enjoy. I was still stuck in all of my negative energy and negative space that was sort of like, I could have been here anywhere and I would have been the same, you know, um, wherever you go, there you are kind of, you know, idea. So I, I think you, you brought up a really important point that when we put things into our calendars, whether it be our outlook calendar, the thing that sort of centers our life around every week, if it's, you know, we're busy and and working, um, 
it does create a legitimacy for that being like an important thing that you've already proactively planned to do. So yeah, it's really about putting in these little things each day. I would say is more important than doing that sort of treadmill of like work to burnout and then take a couple of weeks off. Um, the other thing I guess that we we talked about in the workshop itself was this concept that, um, and this is taken from the positive psychology movement and reframing how we're looking at goals and um, are we composing our goals and objectives in a way that's written or thought of to avoid potential negative consequences in life and are, or are we doing it to sort of towards something positive, towards something growth oriented. And, and that can be a whole journey unto, unto itself to actually sit down and be like, oh, wait, when I think of things, am I always thinking to avoid negative outcomes or am I trying to even write things to approach positive ones? And is my workplace culture doing that? So when we are actually practicing, and this is where that movement of like practicing gratitude and, and journaling and, and sort of what are, what are a few things I was grateful for in my day? It's actually mental exercise. So the brain, like any other part of our bodies, if we're thinking about like going to the gym and working them out, that's how we make our muscles stronger. The brain needs these opportunities. And it's sad to say a lot of people, we, we maybe are brought into the world in an environment that's very negative outcome focused. And those muscles get a lot of exercise or we're in a workplace culture for years where like, you know, for some reason out of our control, that's the way that goals and objectives are set. Again, like going to the gym and working out those negative reinforcer muscles all the time. So when are we making space to like write down goals that are positively adjusted. Um, and it might sound trivial or overly simplistic, but just doing that repetitively does contribute to building up the capacity for optimism and fights against a cynical mindset really taking hold. Wow. Um, I love that because for some of us, you know, the concept of you know, practicing gratitude or journaling or having that positive mindset, you know, people say, oh, that's just woo woo, or that's, you know, yeah. but, you know, understanding that there is a science behind it. And it, and, and there are, um, there's research that has been done that shows that, you know, being grateful for what you have, or taking the time to, to think about those positive things in your life can then, you know, map out those, those, those areas of the brain that then make you feel more grateful on a daily basis, or, you know, that those feelings will then expand and, and lead to better things instead of, you know, going down the negative spiral that of course leads to, you know, more negativity. So, um, I appreciate that, you know, from a psychotherapy standpoint that, you know, this stuff is, this is real, this is the real deal. This isn't just, you know, um, you know, sitting on a, on a beach and, 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 uh, you know, meditating and, and, and turning into a, a, a monk or something along those lines. These are small things that we can be doing on a daily basis that will, will help us to, to, to feel, to feel good. And then can lead to us, um, expanding and, and, and doing bigger and better things without the overwhelm and the stress. 
Yeah. And, you know, I, I think what we know from, from neuroscience studies and, and gradually enhancing understanding of the mind is that neural pathways get formed, right? So even if we do have that capacity for cynicism, and sometimes it comes out in our humor and it's, it's you know, not necessarily a bad thing because knowing and being grounded in what are potentially realistic risks can help us be strategic, right? If we know the negatives, then maybe we can start to have some strategies to, okay, if the negative thing happens, then I'm going to try to get out ahead of it. Now, the neural pathway is going to be there if it's gotten a lot of exercise. So it's about sort of building some new different neural pathways to sort of work in collaboration with those, sometimes to be able to have the awareness to bypass them. Um, so yeah, it's, as I said, it's not so intellectually satisfying. And I think that's why a lot of people, when they're in their cynical mindset, they'll be like, whoa, that's, that's woo woo. Like you said, like, but it actually is just a simple process. It's kind of like doing bicep curls for that part of your brain. It's not sophisticated, but it does contribute to strengthening that muscle. Um, and the, the other thing I was going to add to that was there are ways we can try to trigger or cue ourselves to practice this each day. Like I've heard of a lot of different methods, like whether you get in bed at night with your partner and we do something like, Hey, what are, what are three things that I was grateful for today? And what about you? Like something like that, or maybe, maybe you already have a tradition that we do a morning walk together or something like that. And so it's like, how can we say the morning walks a cue to like talk about something we want to achieve today or Maybe it's a sensory cue. When I grind my coffee beans in the morning and I smell that coffee, it's like a reminder to think about something important I have to do today. You know, there's all these different ways we can find something that works for us. Some people, it's like put a sticky note on my computer to just say, remember to take a second to breathe, right? There's all these different little things that are not going to solve all of our problems, but they'll, it's like one little brick to add to the wall of like managing what is a sometimes overly busy life that there's no easy answers to get out of. And you can't just, you know, escape to the foothills and sort of live a life meditating all day, every day, nor do a lot of people want that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. The, those are some really great ideas. Um, and I think that it's really nice that you can incorporate, um, friends or family members as well. I know that something we like to do is at, at the dinner table, we talk about what we are grateful for. Um, and it started as a Thanksgiving tradition. And then we kind of thought, well, why, why are we limiting ourselves to this just one time a year? And so we say, you know, what are some things that happened today at school or, you know, throughout the day that, that you were really thankful for. And sometimes we talk about what happened that maybe you're not as happy about either. And then that then can lead to any lessons that have been learned, um, or perhaps, you know, shining a positive light on it, um, just for, you know, making it through and, you know, how we can do better perhaps next time. Um, and so that has been a really, really important part of, of our days. And I think it's been helpful for us as a family to, to grow and to have the conversations, um, to, to, to lead our children, hopefully to, understand that they can have the conversations and that they are then, you know, creating those pathways, as you mentioned, to have that positivity and to be able to, you know, quote unquote, look on the bright side when, when these things are, are coming about uh, in their day-to-day -day lives, when, when maybe we're not around. Um, mm -hmm. I think that we're really just skimming the surface here. I think we could talk about this 
topic all day. And I guess it's kind of something that you do talk about a lot um, in, in your, in your private practice. Um, but just as a, as a closing note, um, you've given so much great um, information and some advice, but it's a new year. We're starting January. Um, if we're feeling burnt out, or even if we're not quite at that point, but we can see ourselves maybe leading down that pathway, um, where should we start and what can we do today right now after listening to this podcast to better support our well-being and, and maybe, um, you know, um, if we are burnt out to, to, to get on a path to recovery. Yeah. Um, I think jumping off what your own family strategy is around that, that dinner table type conversation, it sounds like you're, you're doing things to, to make space for the positive, the challenging. And so I guess the takeaway that I think is really important that we can start doing today is to maybe reframe ourselves from like, I want this to be a successful year and maybe start thinking that I want it to be um, a more authentic year. And that means, well, authentic living is knowing that all of these things that I feel this capacity for these emotions, whether they're the joyful, happy emotions or the more intense, sad or angry or frustrating emotions, they're all with us for a reason and they want space to be heard and felt and they can help guide us if we make a little bit of space for them. So that could be through these, these family conversations, through conversations with ourselves or with our partner. Um, and the, the biggest thing I think that um, people maybe are hopefully waking up to more is like learning to ask for what we need. And it doesn't necessarily mean seeking professional help, but like, I think a lot of us um, feel like we need to do everything alone, whether it be career or raising children. And, you know, this is not normal to human history, right? It was typically more of a, it takes a village mentality. And I think in Western culture, we, we shifted really far away from that where everyone had this super individualistic or I need to do this alone thing. So maybe even reaching out to the people that, you know, whether it be friends, parents, siblings, uh, partners, even maybe asking our children, depending on what their capacity is to say, Hey, like, you know, here's what I'm feeling right now. And here's what I need. Um, and maybe like, if everyone's doing that, then everyone can start working together to give space or provide support. So that's probably the first thing. And for anyone who's listening, who's maybe interested in doing a little more of that step self-focused work. And if you've never sort of embarked on that journey, um, you know, I, I'd always be happy to connect to either point you in a direction of, of someone you could work with or um, give you any other sort of resources or literature to, to start with. Thank you. Thank you so much. A more authentic year. That's so great. I think that's, yeah, that's going to be uh, the, the, the top of my new year's resolutions. Not that I really make resolutions, but a more authentic year. I think that's really beautiful. And I think that that can really flow and, and, and take on, you know, any, any sort of new, wonderful meeting, but I think that's really helpful. Chris, thank you so much for your time today. If 
any of you would like to um, connect with Chris further, I am going to put some contact information in the notes for this podcast episode. So please feel free to reach out to Chris if you want to continue this conversation. Um, and and if I will continue this conversation, you know, through uh, through Instagram and through other podcast episodes. But my sincere appreciation to you for taking the time to, to chat with us today, Chris. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Juggle is Real podcast. If you liked today's episode, please rate it, write a review, and share with a friend who you think could use a little help too. Until the next episode, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is Andriana G. That's A-N-D-R-Y-A-N-N-A-G. Until then, take good care.